Hey guys, it's Arthur from the Good Trash Media Network. I just wanted to say thank you to Loot Crate for sponsoring this week's episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast. Out of Oklahoma City, you're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. They're talking about you, boy. But you're still the same. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where we talk about movies that don't belong in a film class. We're talking about Transformers this week, guys, and I am really bummed out. Uh, but, yes, we're excited to be here. We really, really are. This is going to be great, fantastic, and enjoyable for you all because despite the fact this movie's terrible, we're going to have a good time talking about it. Uh, this film is, uh, I guess it's technically a movie, sort of. Uh, let's identify the voices that have to talk about this also. To my left, sir, who are you? Uh, my name is Dalton Stewart, and nobody exists on purpose. Nobody belongs anywhere. Everyone's going to die. Come watch TV. Yes, thank you very much for that. On around uh, in the platinum hair. Who are you, ma'am? My name's Alexander Bohannon, and this movie has robots in it. That's correct. All right. <laughs> Moving on around the table. Who are you, sir? Are they are they Japanese robots? I, I think they're Japanese. My name's Caleb Masters, and uh, Dustin, can you uh, wrangle me up some ding-dongs, darling? Uh, thank you very much uh, for that. I don't know how I feel about that particular proposition, sir. Uh, my name is Dustin Sells, and to people who like this movie, are you on drugs? That's what I want to say. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Transformers. Um, we're going to find out if there is more than meets the eye to this film. Um, I don't know that that's going to be the case, but we shall see because we are dedicated absolutely dedicated to our mission statement of examining trash cinema and doing some analysis and we are so dedicated that we even watch transformers uh so to warn you dear listener to give you an idea of what you're in store for as you watch uh, or listen to this show we are going to have a synopsis from the voice of the cinema then we're going to have our uh, short thumbs up thumbs down reviews after that point we do get into spoilers if you haven't seen transformers honestly it won't matter but we do get into spoilers once we start playing our game and then from there we really get into spoiler territory when we do our analysis so we'll have a business time a uh, bit of bumper music to give you a cue as that is about to happen and at that point you have been watching Warned with some enthusiasm, Arthur Gordon, voice of the cinema. Let's hear that synopsis. An ancient struggle between two Cybertronian races, the heroic Autobots and the evil Decepticons, comes to Earth with a clue to the ultimate power held by a teenager. It's the Tesseract, you are, right? You are the special. This is actually predating the Tesseract in uh, in uh, cinema, Dustin. Yes, I know. I know how dates work. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so mad and punch you right now. I hate this so much. Okay, guys, let's hear it. I go to you first then, Ms. Alexander Bohannon. What do you got to say about this movie? Um, I think that the letterboxed, um, the letterboxed reviewer auteur, like your name, uh, his one-star review of Transformers kind of sums up my uh, personal beliefs on this film, and it goes like this. I realized that not only did Michael Bay not give two shits about what he was doing, but also that the film was an aggressive salt to the intelligence of the most undiscerning filmgoer. Thank you very much. Accurate and uh, succinct. I like both of those things very much. Ms. Bohannon, Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you say in terms of your quick thumbs up, thumbs down review? Uh, I... I'm going to try to say some nice things. Um, it turns out I really like Josh Dumel, and I think he should get more work. Um, uh, I, I really am glad that Shia LaBeouf has branched out and is doing interesting things with his career. I'm glad he did this and got that exposure. Um, I'm, I'm glad John Turturro got some hot tub money. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> somebody's keeping John Voight busy. Um, so that's good. I, I'm glad Anthony Anderson has his own sitcom now, and uh, ho hopefully this had something to do with that. Um, Tyrese Gibson's always cute and fun, as we discussed last episode when we talked about Fast Five. Um, and uh, I got to say, the um, 
the effect of transforming uh, the robots from vehicle to robot and back is is pretty impressive. Um, that's all that I have nice to say. Um, the, the the goddamned robots are so over designed; they just look like uh, just, I, you can't even discern anything about their physical form because they're so overly designed and and that's like a huge issue i have with effects is when something is just there's just clipping things on there just to stick it on there um the the action sequences which are you know the selling point of this film just don't do anything for me and if you've been listening to this show for a long time you know that i i have a deep unabiding love for action cinema and action choreography and fight choreography uh, and with a, a few exceptions that involve the, the highway chase sequence, I just these action scenes do nothing for me. There, there's a couple cool moments on, in that highway chase that I, I really enjoyed, but overall, like when when the robots are fighting each other, it just you can't tell what's going on. And this speaks to an issue with Michael Bay's style that has kind of pervaded his career. I would say everything post The Rock. Um, he just he can't hold a shot length to save his life. He just seems to have this aversion to a shot that's longer than seven seconds, and it, it's really infuriating. Um, we talked about Pacific Rim, uh, what makes the fight scenes in that film work, and everything that that movie gets right, this film gets wrong. Um, and that, I mean, I haven't even touched on the atrociousness of the human characters in this movie, because they're all dumb they're all mean and petty and silly and they all talk like literally no human being in the world talks um it's just it is what it is i don't care for it it's not for me it's dumb and loud and obnoxious and they keep making them and i don't understand why people like these movies so much i legitimately do not get it thank you very much mr dalton stewart mr caleb masters your thumbs up thumbs down review I mean, it's a stupid movie. It's a really, really, really dumb, big, loud action movie where the action is not clear when it's focusing on the Transformers. What the thing is, though, this movie is not, despite what the synopsis might lead you to believe, this is not a film about the Transformers. This is a film about the people. This is a teen, a really, really cutesy teen romance about how the, how the nerd wins the girl. Um, this is uh, how the, how a film. the nerd I fucks the girl constantly. Um, yes, there's a lot of that. Um, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend that, but I will. Here's where I'll say this: This is the this is the I, I think the reason people hate Transformers. Um, it, it, it is a franchise that that deserves the hate. It's really stupid. And the fact that it makes a billion dollars every time they put out a movie it just blows my mind. When you have things like Pacific Rim that are actually well produced and well made that just don't they they barely make it back the, they they barely make back their budget. So it kind of blows my mind. These are the movies that we've latched on to. But I will say this: This movie. It's an all right blockbuster. I think it's better than like 80% of the movies I saw this summer, at least. Uh, blockbuster tentpole films. Um, it's dumb, but it's fun. I thought the charisma coming from all the actors in this film was lots of fun, eh, save for maybe John Voight and Megan Fox. But I mean, uh, I, John Turturro, he was, he was chewing the scenery. Shia LaBeouf proves why he, 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 he really proved in this film that he has enough charisma to go on to do greater things. He and has a really compelling screen presence. I'll give you that. He does. And he was charming. And I laughed a lot. His lines are so stupid, but I laughed at a lot of them. And I and I think even though Megan Fox is definitely a supermodel, dumb, there was some cutesy moments in there that I was that took me off, that caught me off guard because I expected to really, really hate this movie. And uh, I just walked away thinking it's an okay movie. It's got lots of problems. It needs to be, it needs, please, for the love of God, needs to be at least... 30 to 40 minutes shorter. That 30 to 40 minutes that easily could have been trimmed and could have made for a more competent movie. Um, so it's not good. But I'll say this. For everybody around this table who hates this movie, I'm just really, really confused when we'll give other other movies, other blockbuster movies. When, when you guys are saying things like, this is the worst movie we've ever done on this podcast, I'm like, guys, this is not even close to the worst. It's a bad movie. It's a, it's pro- might be the dumbest movie we've ever done on this podcast, arguably, but it is not the worst movie the Good Trash Genre cast has ever done. There are far worse movies that you guys have covered that you guys have given a pass or haven't. So my question is, do we, do we like, are we going to hate it because it's Transformers, or are we just going to hate it because it's a bad movie? And if we were talking about any one of the sequels... Um, I would totally be behind trashing those because those movies truly are awful. And the difference there is this is the film that Steven Spielberg was most involved hands-on with with this one. And you can tell when Steven Spielberg was telling a story between the boy and his dog. And, you, and then you could also tell when Michael Bay said, boom, boom, crash, crash, let's make stuff fight. 
And uh, in the later films, the ones that truly are some of the worst things that I would never wish upon anybody, uh, that's where Michael Bay gets to do what he wants. And this film, so this film, it's just okay. Name three movies we've done that you think are worse. Bagger Vance, I, Frankenstein, and... I didn't really like Jack. Uh, Jack. Definitely Jack. I would disagree. I uh, would I would agree with Bagger Vance and Jack. I, Frankenstein was very fine. At least it was shorter. I think Caleb brings up some good points. Um, sometimes whenever uh, reviewers and uh, critics and smart people like ourselves, um, you know, it's, sometimes it's really hard to kind of divorce the intellectual property from the material. And so you also have not only, um, I remember talking about this in my uh, analysis and review of V for Vendetta, that it's a great movie, but um, Anonymous has latched on to, you know, what the Guy Fox mask represents. And now it's just, edgy kids use uh, it as memes on the internet kind of a thing. And I think that Caleb brings up a good point that we do need to be careful about, oh, well, this is Transformers, and I already have a predetermined opinion about this, and um, so I'm going to judge it more harshly maybe than other properties. Because, yeah, because I can see both sides. I didn't like it at all. But at least, but I can see where Caleb's coming from as well. I mean, I think that's might might yeah. be more of a taste thing. I don't know. No, no, so. no. I, I, yeah, yeah, thank you, Alex. I really appreciate that because trying to articulate: do we hate the movie or do we hate the property? And you can hate both. That's fine. I yeah. give this movie like a two and a half on Letterbox. I don't think it's good. I just think it's mm. average, middling at best. But I, does it deserve title of where? I mean, Hebrew Hammer. Come on, guys. I mean, Hebrew Hammer was shorter. Yes, yes. And had uh, Adam Goldberg. I in laugh it. more often in that one. Also, I know. Yeah. Shabbat Shalom, motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> I want the red level Menachev. The black label. <laughs> the black label Menachev. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, so what am I going to say? Uh, this movie can die in a fire. Uh, I really, really don't like it. Uh, and, and the reasons why I don't like it, I gave it one star on Letterboxd because it does deserve some recognition for its production value. The money is on the screen, and you can see it, and that's fine. For sure. Uh, I mean, it's a 10-year-old film. It still looks really yeah, good. Yeah, it looks great. You know, they, they, they were able to get actors who were able to mostly do their jobs, and that's fine. Um, and I would I wouldn't even dare say Megan Fox entirely does her job, which is no. I think she's she's really good in this. Yeah, she does. She does fine. Uh, so I will say that. But I will also say it is incoherent. I will also say it's mind numbing. I will also say it's jingoistic. I will also say mm-hmm. it's racist. Mm-hmm. And I will also say it's incredibly stupid. That's so jingoistic. Yes, it is. And uh, so not only is it sort of bad and you know dumb and loud and all that other stuff, it I find it personally offensive. And I think that's I, I, Caleb to. to speak to your point i think that might be part of dustin and i's problem with it is that all of these movies make so much money well then that's my point exactly if this was a movie that no one else had watched and say this is made no i'd I'd probably care less there there's a say there's like the movie flops and there's no transformers two through four would you hate this movie as much no probably not but it changes the artifact as it is exactly i mean you're you're changing the parameters of what we're dealing with and because I think there's some. I think, and I do think there. And I'm, I'm really excited to talk analysis with it because I think there's some actually some really uh, compelling. Um, I some a compelling conversation to be had about the type of jingoism that is portrayed in this film because it's not just it's not just raw raw America. It's raw raw troops. That's raw raw people who kill other people. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, we'll get into it. Uh, Michael Bay's uh, massive erection um, for militarism. I tell you what, he gives Lenny Riefenstahl a run for her money. He fucking loves people in uniform. Yeah, God damn it, does he? Uh, that was probably mean. I, I shouldn't equate Michael Bay to to a fascist propagander. Um, that that said, <laughs> Arthur's face. I, I, I'm not sure you're wrong, but go on. I just, you know, that said, I, I mean, yeah, I think the connection's pretty clear. I mean, if you look at his, he keeps making these Transformers movies, and of the two I've seen, he just loves the military. I, I mean, he's he he's seems anti- to only like people who are good at killing other people. Uh, he's anti-establishment, pro-soldiers, which is so weird. Yeah. It's it's so. We'll get into it in analysis. I just, uh, you're right, Caleb. So I would, he's a I would, libertarian. I would be mo- less annoyed with this movie if it didn't have five sequ- four sequels, uh, with the newest impending, um, that had all made you know over seven hundred million dollars. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much for those reviews, guys. I'm really excited right now. You know why? Why? We don't have to talk about Transformers, so we can play the game. Hooray! Time to play the game! Time to play the game! 
this week's game is our top three franchises, films, or fandoms that we just don't understand why people like it. Uh, that's right. Top three films, franchises, and fandoms that we just don't understand. Brought to you by Transformers. Transformers. Someone kill me, guys. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nailed, Nailed it. it. Oh. Very well done, sir. Okay, I will go to you first, Mr. Caleb Masters. What are your selections? Okay, I'm going to break the rules a little bit and give an honorable mention that's going to be, uh, speaking of killing people, speaking of killing people, Call of Duty. Guys, I've I've bought three of those games trying really really hard. Well, because all my friends play, and it's like, I'm going to play with my friends, right? And I'm trying to understand the appeal. One of our listeners and patrons, Justin Yates, at least is a big, excellent Call of Duty gamer. But I'm like, guys, I really don't understand. I really don't understand. There's so many better shooters out there that are less jingoistic and dumb but hey uh if you're good at it why you not keep playing i suppose uh that's honorable mention so here i'm gonna harken back to uh the back to the movies review of ghostbusters that alex and i did uh where i talk about how i don't understand the love for the original ghostbusters that would give us the the 2016 adaptation or remake reboot redo we said redo right we said redo 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 that we got uh, and I actually you know what I prefer the redo because at least that's being a lot more transgressive um, but I that's a franchise and I know I actually listened to you guys the, went back for our, one of our flashback Friday posts listened to you guys talk about the Ghostbusters deal and um, yeah I don't get it guys I think I didn't see it that magical age I was a little older I was out of that uh, what would you say nine to fifteen year old phase when I watched it and I watched it and I was like this is a solid comedy like I like it but it's I was like is it my question is like why is this the why is this like the comedy of all the comedies that ever came out why is this the one we latched on to um, not to trash it because I think it's a fine movie but it's just like a weird thing that I was I never really understood why people loved it so much uh, moving on gone with the wind guys that's a cultural artifact and i'm tired of talking to people even film scholars who will still argue that it's actually a really damn good movie and i'm like what 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 are you what are you talking about guys the movie's racist the movie's sexist um it's it's way 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 too long yes the special effects were great at the time but we've moved on we've moved on to tell better movie uh, better stories with even better special effects why is that a movie that like people still like just hold on this like hold on a pedestal and lastly Walking Dead, why? I like I liked zombies before Walking Dead happened, and now I'm tired. Of, I am exhausted by zombies. I am exhausted. There's only so much you can do. I don't need a TV show and or comic series that will never, ever end, because at some point you run out of stories to tell about zombies. And I've actually read several of the graphic novels. I read all the way through Volume 2. So and the and there's season, a game series, Telltale Games game, does tell a games. series. Those are really yeah. fun. They are they're good. They're good. I mean, like it's not that anything's are bad, but like why is like I want to clarify when you say it's volume two, you meant like the the giant special uh, compendium. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I didn't, I don't read the single issues. So yeah. I've read them both in the compendiums that come out. I think they're on three now. I, I forget the compendiums. They only do every couple of years. But yeah, yeah. I, I read through the trade paperbacks like volume 15 and i just felt yeah i'm with you man i don't i don't get that fucking show at all it's the most um, depressing thing we're going i understand the whole idea of like a cultural cathartic we're looking like through a culture like a catharsis i guess but guys it's about zombies and then the apocalypse when we're literally going it got popular during one of the most depressive eras in the 21st in the 20th and 21st century in america so I, yeah it's weird excellent mm. thank you very much for that mr caleb masters mr dalton stewart what are your three uh, least understood fandoms or films or whatever uh, well, the first one I've talked about on this show before, uh, and it's Donnie Darko. And I think when we discussed Donnie Darko on the show, I said, I think I get it now. I get why people like it. I'm going to go ahead and come back around on that. I still don't get it, man. Like, every time I think about it, it just doesn't really do anything for me. And, and it's a, it's fine. Like, it's kind of in, an interesting film. But, like, the, the fact that it is stuck and become so popular with the cultural consciousness, I just don't. I don't understand. I don't. I don't get it. I don't like it. It's not for me. I. I just don't. I don't. I, don't, I guess I'm not angsty enough for it. Um, I don't know if I ever was, but when I finally saw it for the first time at like 18 or 19 years old, I just wasn't angsty enough for it anymore. If I ever was angsty enough for it, it's just not for me. I'll never understand it. I wish I did, because um, a lot of people really do seem to get a, a great deal of joy from it. But it, it's just not for me. Uh, next up. Uh, I'm really sorry if I hurt anybody's feelings on this one, uh, but it's Doctor Who. Like, I don't, I don't give a single fuck. I don't give a single fuck, and I think a lot of it is uh, Doctor Who fans. Honestly, that's um, it. Yep. I think that's a huge part of it is how insufferable they fucking are. 
I can confirm. I was I was one of those uh, butthurt fans who started watching early, and then when by the time I got to college, I just couldn't I couldn't handle the fandom anymore. I stopped watching. Like I watched one episode of Eleventh Doctor and one episode of Twelfth Sense, and that's all I've seen. Yeah, it's just not. For, it's not for me. It's I've, good. It's I've fine, watched a couple but... of episodes. It's it's cute. Like it's it's fine. Um, it's it's commitment to pacifism. I think is is really uh, endearing and and beautiful, but. It's just okay. So a lot of, uh, I mean, I'll give this shit credit, and I'm not a fan, but uh, I will say a lot of like the more original, unique spins on sci-fi concepts come from Doctor well, Who. That's something. I mean, I've wa- I've watched enough. Of my uh, my girlfriend uh, Becca is is a really big fan, and I you know I've watched a couple episodes, you know, while she's watching, and I'm like kind of doing something else. And I, I mean, I get it. Like it's it's a well-made show. Um, and I think it's really well written and really funny. Um, but it's just not, it's not for me. It's something about it just kind of holds me at arm's distance. And I don't understand like the, 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 the devotion to it. And that's, I think that's really what it comes down to is like the, the militant devotion, which brings me to another fandom that weirdly seems to go hand in hand, uh, with, with Doctor Who. And that's Supernatural. Oh, thank yes, you. Thank you. I was thinking very, of that too. Very true. Um, so Dalton, can I make a confession? Yeah, go ahead. I loved Supernatural one seasons one through five. I own them on DVD That's now. A lot. I have a, huh? That's well, a lot of TV. Not, yeah, it is a lot of TV. But that was also before we started getting like thirteen episode seasons and things like that, dude. But I have to say, it's going on season thirteen, and the fans are like more hardcore and devoted than that. I stopped years and years and years ago. I enjoyed it because of the way that show works, it wraps up in season five, and you're like, oh, cool. But the, <sighs> those fans are crazy, though. I'll give it to you. I man. don't. I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't get it. They're int- I sh- I, crazy is a long word. They're intense. They're very I intensely devoted. I very intense. Crazy part fine. of it. And it's funny because I remember when I started watching it. Other than the fact that Sam and Dean are both supermodels, we get that. They're but very handsome. They are man. very handsome. But it was really weird to me when I started watching it. Before I realized there was a big online culture to it. I said, "This is about it's dudes crazy, driving down in a car, listening to seventies rock. Why are girls watching this show?" Hello. And I don't know. I think that's why I get. And, and and don't get me wrong. Like I get that Whedon fandom is definitely one of those fandoms that people don't understand. And I wouldn't go as far as to call myself like an obsessive. I just really dig Firefly and Buffy. Um, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of really smart things happening in there that speak to like larger human concerns and, and really well-written and interesting characters. And again, I haven't watched a lot of Supernatural. I've seen maybe three episodes. So in fairness, I've, I've got to throw that out there. But I've just never, I've never understood it at all. I don't understand it. And I like the earlier seasons. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I just I don't, okay. and I don't get Transformers. Honestly, uh, I'm not talking about the movies. I mean, the franchise as a whole. It's a really complicated mythology. I tried to do some research on Transformers to like be. Become, oh, dude, you're yeah, hilarious. Yeah, don't even shit try. Is, shit is. I like. Dense, I man. like some of. The, I like Beast Wars a lot, but I don't even give a care anymore. It's it's, I, it's crazy. I, I, I don't get it, and I don't think I ever will. Alrighty, well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart, Ms. Alexander Bohannon. One of the fandoms, franchises, or whatever that you don't understand. All right, so I have a list, and some of it may be blasphemous because I was raised as a female in the 90s, so I probably don't get some of the boy fandoms that you all grew up with. Um, one of those is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't really get it either. I don't get it either. Okay, I I, I thought that everyone's turtles die hard here. No, no I mean, Arthur, Arthur, God bless your soul, loves the turtles. No, I mean, it, people can like what they like. Yeah. I just, I... It's a weird thing I'm trying now. to, I really just don't have a base of understanding about why it's... Turtles in Time is funny F, but that's like, yeah, I, I, it's not something they that's like really pizza. stuck with me. They like pizza, there's a girl around, but I, I there's guess. Like, I get, there's plenty of fandoms that I don't like, that I, like, I get why Hunger Games is popular, I yes. get why Twilight is yeah. popular. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I get those fandoms, even if they're not for me. I'm with you, though. I don't, I don't get the turtles, man. I, I mean, I think it must have been just like a point in your life that it like touched you in a way like that you just can't explain. Well, again, that, Ar- that- Arthur, Arthur, <laughs> Arthur, show me on the doll where Raphael touched you. <laughs> oh my well, God. Me and, and me and Arthur did uh, did talk at length about that on Back to the Movies because I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't get it, Arthur. What about it? So if you want to hear what Arthur thinks about fandom, Back to the Movies, yeah. Turtles. Um, another one of these aforementioned fandoms is Nightmare Before Christmas. That's a big fandom. Oh, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah. It's a big, yeah. big I don't, thing. Yeah, I don't get it either. Yeah, um, the fact that 
that, you know, you have Blink-182 songs. It's like, we can live like Jack and Sally if we want. The fact that Hot Topic built most of their na- 90s to 2000s merchandise off of selling their visages on things. I rewatched it last Halloween, and it was it was cute. It was fine. Um, it still kind of freaked me out in a weird way. Like, the toys, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it did, like, I was like, oh, those are creepy. But, I mean, it's just, I don't get that i would push that uh, one step further and say i don't get tim burton fandom yeah that's what i was thinking too actually. I, I, i'm i'm okay with tim burton fandom i mean it's an aesthetic and i understand that but the obsession with nightmare itself yeah. is a little bit no i, I get it but the obsession with tim burton like uh, yeah yeah, I I could I could probably extend to Tim Burton, but, but despite I, I him being um he's the only major star that's born on my birthday. So. Oh, there you go, there you go. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't. Yeah, I, Tim Burton probably lump it in with Nightmare. Um, another another one for you all, uh, Godzilla. I really kaiju movies are cool, like, but something about it just like. The fact that I went over and hung out with my boyfriend and a few of my friends, and they were able to talk about like in like Mecha Godzilla versus Mothra and like all of these things, like I, I just I don't understand why people really care that these things fight each other. Uh, now all I can think about is me and Caleb talking and Ken Watanabe off to the side saying, "Let them fight." <laughs> and I just keep thinking, why the hell did people like? I mean, I mean, Godzilla in general. Why do people like that new movie? I, I don't, I don't understand. Oh man, I really dig it. A lot of people like. Yeah. The new a lot movie. of people I do. A lot. a lot of people really man, do. What a great score! That film has a hell of a score. Yeah, um, yeah. And then there's a new Godzilla that the I mean, I yeah, 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 that's coming out, being released by Funimation later this year. Oh. Um, and then there's going to be an animated show, uh, uh, movie as well. But that's another thing. Okay, last. This might be the most blasphemous. I don't get Superman. Oh yeah, super. Um, I, I would totally say, well, well, it's okay. You're not alone. You and Zack Snyder can hang out together and not get <laughs> <together>. <laughs> nice. swish bucket. Ah, man, I, I, Alex, well, this is that that is a that is a two drinks type of conversation because there's so it's it's actually yeah, Superman's a hard one to put that pin down. Like he represents so much, but also seems really generic when you put it and you frame it that way. Yeah, it's t- it's a tough one to sit, uh, to explain to people. I, I just don't understand. I guess it's mostly. I could see why you want like things to be all big and powerful. And I, I do love Wonder Woman and, and she's kind of like the oh, yeah. closest thing to a non Supergirl Superman. So I like, I guess I don't understand why it's just not looking for me for Superman. Um, if I may go for it. Uh, and I'm, I'm nothing of an expert on Superman, but I do like him quite a bit as a character. Um, I, I would just say it's not about the all-powerful. It's about the Kansas farm boy. And I, I think that's the much more interesting aspect. And I think that's why, you know, when done correctly, he makes a really interesting foil for Batman because Bruce Wayne is Batman's mask and uh, Superman is Clark Kent's mask. Uh, Clark feels more at home as his uh, real self than his caped self. And I think Bruce feels more at home in his caped self. So I think they make really interesting uh, duels for each other and again I, I it's not about the all-powerful it's about the commitment to decency and kindness that I, I think is really what makes that an interesting character okay i have to say between the two of you i can be like i can get it like a teaspoon more now um i i have yet to really see a property that does what dalton has said well i would recommend uh red sun which is a really interesting what if um where uh, what if instead of landing in uh, Kansas in the 50s, Superman had landed in a, a Russian uh, farming colony in the 50s? Um, it's it's fucking great. That's intense. Um, it's just really it's a really good jump into like oh this is a cool character. And then uh, I've never actually read it, but All Star Superman is supposed to be pretty spectacular. Alrighty, well thank you very much for those selections, Miss Alexander Bohan, and my selections of things I don't understand. Uh, Doctor Who aforementioned, I don't get that fandom. Uh, my Doctor Who replacement selection, and that this is going to be blasphemous. I really don't get why people are so into Pokemon. Like in I, general, I, I don't either, man. the obsession. Is Dog, just... I could have just said anime. Yeah, well, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I can tell you why anime. That's that's a, that's a cultural thing. Yeah, because people like jerking off to little cartoon girls. Well, wow. Yeah, there's uh, that. Oh my god. Regarding poke. Okay, see, about two months ago, I would have also said Pokemon, but Pokemon Go has changed my attitude towards Pokemon. Another thing I don't get. Uh, this sort of tags on to your Walking Dead commentary. Uh, is I really don't get the like the hyper obsession with zombies. I don't I, understand I, how it happened. I don't either. I mean, it's so zombie, weird. They're they're fine. They're As somebody who's into them for like a long time, but but to be really really into it, like and doing zombie walks and you know catching all the zombie things, I just 
Why? Nazi zombies, man. It's supposed to be transgressive and gross and icky and not for normals. And the fact that normals like it so much is is really kind of baffling to me. And I think it speaks to uh, America's obsession with uh, survivalism and gun culture. Okay, that might be. I mean, that might be a thing. But anyway, so I, yeah, I just don't get it. Lastly, I don't get bronies, guys. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Does anybody around the table get the bronies? Nah, man. Um, I mean, I've watched one episode and it seems cool, I but had, like, I don't get the intense. Like, I, I don't either. I had, I had, adoration. I had a friend who, who I respect, is a great guy who swore up and down, though, swore up and down. He's like, dude, this is so great. It's so, and I'm like, I watched the first episode and I said, I. I don't have time, guys. Sorry. You know, <laughs> I, and I wish they were like being like intentionally transgressive, right? You know, but I don't really. I think that just they like it. This happened to be no, dudes who like a girl thing, which is fine. I mean, I don't have a problem with that at all. But I'm just like, why? However, you might want to participate in this conversation. You can do so via the magical means that we all know as social media. Alex, where are we? How can we be found? You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash good trash media. You can find all of our events there on Facebook, like our live event that's coming up on September 16th, 2016 at the parish in the Plaza District. Come catch Pokemon with us. What, what time was that, Alex? 7 p.m.? 7 p.m. All right. Fantastic. Sorry. Man, I'm so excited to catch, uh, play some uh, Pokemon over there. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram. Sure. You can find us on Instagram at um, Instagram.com forward slash Good Trash Media. You can find us at Patreon at Patreon.com forward slash GTM. Hey, Dalton, is there another means by which the conversation could be held? You sure can, Dustin. Um, if you want to tell me that I'm being culturally insensitive or that uh, I'm wrong for thinking that people who like uh, Pokemon condone dogfighting, you can find us on Twitter at good underscore trash, uh, where you can tell me what an asshole I am. That's uh, Twitter.com uh, at good underscore trash. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Are you tweeting me real quick? And sent, okay. asshole. Okay. All right. Very, very good. Now, a word from our sponsors. Thank you for turning in to A Word From Our Sponsors. This week on A Word From Our Sponsors, we're taking a look at Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription service that sends you a wonderfully curated box of geeky goodness. Each month focuses on a different theme such as dystopia, time, space invasion, and the future. Loot Crate also has subscription boxes for pet lovers, gamers, anime fans, and their newly announced WWE box. So if you want to take your nerd game to a new level, head over to lootcrate.com forward slash good trash and use promo code good trash to receive $3 off of your first box. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. It's So this week we are going to give uh, more of a roundtable sort of conversation to this film, mostly because we don't want to talk about it, uh, is what I think, and uh, it is um, soul-numbing and, uh, you know, head-destroying. Well, I tried, like, throughout this movie to, like, find something. Like, I was beating my head against a wall trying to, like, find, like, any, like, real thematic thread to, to pull on. And I couldn't find, I mean, I found, like, little nuggets, but I couldn't find anything that was really worthwhile to chase all yeah. the way down the rabbit hole. Well, what I'm going to talk about, I think, and the questions I'm going to just sort of pose the group are these moments in which the film sort of tries to have its cake and eat it too, uh, it, playing to, and this is why people I think like Transformers in in lieu of our game. Uh, part of why they like it is because it speaks to so many various possible interests. One of those being sort of uh, American exceptionalism, uh, jingoism, uh, nationalism, militarism, those kind of things. And yet at the same time, we've got this like surreptitious uh, government agency called Sector 7 that are the bad guys. And it plays with both those things and pleases you know all the people. Well, and it's the thing that I find really fascinating because these movies do great overseas. They do really, really well overseas. Uh and, it, and it's weird to me. This movie is is like far more uh, praising of, of the military industrial complex than Captain America. We've got a scene where Josh uh, Dumel puts a gun to John Turturro's chest uh, because he's do, being too much of a bureaucrat. 
and I think that really speaks to to Michael Bay's uh, deep, deep appreciation of of doers uh, and his dislike of thinkers and people who who hold up action by talking. One, I was a political science slave for a PhD candidate in our department in grad school, and I had to comb through newspapers and count the phrase American exceptionalism for the course of about 10 to 15, 20 years. Um, And so... Holy shit. Yeah. It, it didn't take as long because I used a computer, but, you know, moving on. But so I used the, I counted the phrase American exceptionalism, and there is a noticeable trend now, nothing I've plotted out statistically, a noticeable trend that after 9-11 happened, there was significantly, in my casual observations, um, more entries of the phrase American exceptionalism. It just skyrockets like and around every election cycle. It just goes and it just goes, it spikes back up. But the thing is, is it never really returns to that baseline. So it'll spike up. It's like the global warming thing. So it might have like a five year dip, but then it keeps going up and it trends up over time. So I just wanted to kind of lay that out there is we have these, all of these components of a military industrial complex. We have um, intense American exceptionalism, and all of these are symptoms of your typical post 9 11 movie, um, which I think is one thing that Michael Bay is buying into because this will be. So I guess this would have gone in pre production. 2005? 2004, 2005, yeah. Yeah, so this is like in the heyday and is still released within uh, spitting distance of that terrible, awful event. So that's one thing. Um, Another thing, America... Michael Bay, I mean, he repeatedly makes this film. I mean, regardless of its 13 hours in Benghazi, you know, about, you know, these do-good soldiers, you drop them down and they're, you know, not a... You know, they're not approved by the government. They're basically... Michael Bay could have directed Suicide Squad. And uh, yeah, like just due to his worldview, I mean, it falls super, super in line with what he has to say in, I think, all of his movies. Um, And finally, number three, um, uh, I'm glad that this movie launched Shia LaBeouf. I didn't mention that in my review, but um, it's nice seeing him do more with himself now. um, And this probably gave him that launching pad. He had to have this movie coming off of his Even Stevens break. He had to have this movie to get the exposure he needed, so he could get uh, so he could also get used again by Spielberg and an arg- another and other arguably bad movies. But because he got that exposure, he got more roles offered, and now he is doing controversial but very fascinating things with his career. Um, yeah. So going back to the the American jingoism and the uh, American uh, military complex industrial complex, it's really interesting how he uh, again post nine eleven. Um, is very much rah-rah troops. We support the guys doing the killing. We support the guys doing over there who are coming back with PTSD. We support those guys. But man, screw the establishment. Screw the government. He's like that in all of his movies. Benghazi is another great example. Uh, what was the name of the movie? Whatever the... Uh, something John Krasinski... Uh, Hours. Fuck shit up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, he does that, though. He's, he's got the same... He's the same way in even uh, Armageddon, which is not even... Which honestly shouldn't even be like a rah-rah America movie, but it is because it's Michael Bay... Because it's a movie about oil drillers who go up, and the reason that that their 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 biggest problems in that film are caused because the American government is incompetent. I have to say, this film just—I have to say, Caleb, this totally supports your point. The film has found to reuse footage from Bay's previous film, Pearl Harbor, two thousand one. Oh, buddy, that makes a lot of sense. Continue. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I just uh, this is definitely a product of the, the post nine eleven world. But I will say this is again this is not something that Michael Bay adopted after nine eleven. He was already he was already making this movie before uh, the Twin Towers got hit. He was doing Armageddon was in the nineties, I believe, right ninety ninety nine ninety eight ninety nine somewhere in the nineties. The Rock was early mid to late nineties. So like I mean ninety four ninety five ninety four ninety five ninety six. Pretty okure. sure. So those were in the nineties. Those were pre nine eleven. So all 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 that event did was give him a bigger platform to stand on and to project these really toxic toxic ideas um and uh it's really but it's so interesting to me that the guy hates the people calling the shots always hates the people calling the shots but the people doing the work he likes but then at the same time i don't know if i would go so far as to say he hates people i think he thinks people even the brave ones are really really dumb Fair enough. Well, thank you very much for that bit of discussion. Here is a next observation I have in terms of having one's cake and eating it also. Is uh, the uh, We talked a lot on the Fast Five show about this sort of rainbow coalition, this diverse cast. Uh, Transformers also sports a, 
a bit of diversity in in its casting, and and so you see African American actors and you Tyrese, see Tyrese, and and you see uh, other sort of ethnicities being represented uh, that that you, you Bernie Mac, for instance, but you also oh, see Mac. them being lampooned in racial caricatures you see comments english bro uh to the the, the, the to the uh, uh you know spanish speaking uh, soldier you see the indian customer service representative played up for laughs you again bernie max dude that scene was so weird uh, it was it was like a weirdly placed yeah yeah i don't like it at all and so i just want to address the fact that there is weirdly both things going on there is something that's interesting in again sort of like a multicolor casting and yet it remains racist well i think that almost goes to your point and i think that transformers has a lot in common with uh independence day in the sense that there might not be as many primary cast members uh cast uh multiculturally but i do think in independence day will smith's character his blackness is played upon for laughs and there's a lot of stuff about um, I'm trying to remember, they go to these other countries and there's like cuts to these other countries and everyone's wearing very like stereotypical, like almost costume The French had got the stripes. Yes, and, and yeah. it's just obnoxious. And, and <clears throat> Thank you for saving us Americans. Yeah, yeah, basically. We, we, shall want, ca- we didn't want your help. We that shall was call a terrible them, accent. I don't know what happened there. We shall call them American flies in your honor. <laughs> Um, anyway, so I think... Fuck you, American pig dog. <laughs> I think this movie and that movie have a lot in common. The sad thing is that there is um, 2010... Is it 10? 96 to 2007? 2007. So 11 That's, years. So 11 years in between uh, those films, uh, one would have thought we would have progressed by now. But I hate thinking that any casting director casted like they wrote these minority roles to like make fun of them that's just the worst thing i've ever heard well, oh my god and you think that's you think that's and again no i'm not going to argue this is a problem in this film and i would go back mm-hmm. again go back going back to the fact that this is michael bay just not fundamentally not understanding standing human beings whatsoever um but i starting there but i mean this is a trend that you're gonna see so it's so it's ramped up to like a 25 in the sequels. Mudflap and Skids guys are personifications oh, in, the, in the second Ooh. one. If you want to talk about it, ra- ra- racist caricatures, even though they're Transformers, they intentionally play off of the worst type of stereotypes. Going to Transformers 4, Age of Extinction, the studios said, hey, our, we have so, a, a very large audience in, in China, so you know what? We're going to feature a Chinese cast, and you know what they do? Yeah, sure, there's a lot of Chinese people in that movie, but guess what? There are a lot of Chinese caricatures. Ew. That's gross. I don't like it. Okay, some more grossness uh, about this movie in terms of observations and questions. Um, feminism has its cake and eats it too. Megan Fox's character is a grease monkey. She is active and sort of rescuing Shia LaBeouf at times using the the uh, reciprocating saw and those kind of things to cut a transformer away and is generally much more useful than Shia LaBeouf. She's the one that gets a tow truck to drag Bumblebee around, those kind of things. And yet... Completely being used as oh. you know, Oof. just evil, evil just jock really concubine. I believe her. is the phrase that that's used in the film, which is the way they talk about women. The way they talk about women in general in this film is awful. Just, just oh, and male gaze doesn't even begin yeah. to cover no. that camera, man. Yeah, it's it's a weird dichotomy. It's yeah. really quite the strange. way. I mean, it's like so. It's it's you know this would if this wasn't if we if we didn't know that this was a real thing, it would almost be satirical the way it like lingers on Megan Fox when Shia LaBeouf is looking at her and she's looking at like that's the way the 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 length of time in which it stays one there. Of the longest shots of the it, movie, exactly. And it's like it's just, how is this? Is this? A, I mean, you this should be a joke, right? <laughs> yeah, I obviously not a fan. I always get really, um, yeah. Well, that that noise is how I get it when I'm watching uh, properties like this. But I always get really um, whenever I see women doing characteristically um, male dominated things, which but they're, they're doing it real sexy. Yeah, that's the thing. Like this weird dico- this weird portrayal of. If a woman does it and, you know, because a woman isn't supposed to be doing it, so it's like sexy and mysterious and um, because women aren't supposed to fix cars or know things about things um, other than, you know, housewifering and children or, or something. And uh, so whenever Megan Fox is leaning over that car and you just see the whole oogle of her body and I'm just so intensely uncomfortable. It's like, you're why are you 
meaning the production team, the cinematographer, the filmmaker, the director, anybody, why are you subjecting me to making me oogle this woman's body in this way that I don't find it, it it grosses me out. Why do we need these lingering shots? This isn't a pornography. Well, what I would say, I guess, in conclusion, uh, to sort of, again, work our way through that thesis of why people like what they like. Um, in, in this film, it seems to me that part of why it is successful is it is confused. It's absolutely incoherent, but it sort of hits all the boxes for all the groups. People who are very suspicious of the government, who will think they're always the bad guys, will like this movie. People who love America, rah rah, go nationalism, will also like this movie. People who are looking for a strong female character who is, you know, able and capable and sort of the rescuer of the man are going to like that. People who like the the objectification of yeah, women, people who want to lick Megan Fox's tummy, will like this. Will, movie. will also like this. P- people who are looking for casts that are diverse are going to like this movie people who are racist are also going to have their boxes ticked in this film it does all the things it is absolutely successful. people who like to watch robots peeing on john Turturro are really gonna like this <laughs> yeah. movie well, people who like giant mechs are gonna like this movie it, and it's we didn't even get into this whole you know when we did bad boys 2 long ago in the the before times the three of us arthur uh, dustin and myself we talked a lot about the misanthropy of Michael Bean and we didn't even get into that with this because the only characters that have any like real moments of pathos that actually works are the goddamned robots right I mean it's basically you know it's like that whole thing of I feel like this whole movie could be easily incorporated somehow into Donald Trump's platform um, easily because Donald Trump, if you've heard, um, you know, any of his speeches ever and of recent uh, days, he's trying to court the African-American vote and the minority vote. And he's doing so by saying, you see how bad things are. Things are terrible. Things are awful. You don't have jobs. You don't have this. You don't have that. What do you have to lose by voting for me? So, I tell you what, I'm going to build a 30-foot-tall robot. It's going to be huge. It's going to be great. It's going to be the greatest 30-foot-tall robot you've ever seen. It's going to be the greatest 30-foot-tall robot It's going to be absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I just think that this... I love robots. Uh, Everybody knows this about me. I love robots. Get that robot out of here. <laughs> but, but, but here, if we if we look at if we look at your history, it says that uh, you actually are. Uh, no, that's not true. I love robots. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm just saying this to say that it it doesn't make any uh, like like it's so nonsensical and it says so many crosswise things. It says so little that it and can it, say everything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. and it's also at its heart, you know everything that we i hate about donald trump fair absolutely fair all right well dear listener you have heard our analysis we'd love for you to participate in that conversation via those magical means of social media that we've already mentioned so far we come to the point in the show we must render a verdict though shell for trash else or instead i'm curious to hear these words i go to you first caleb masters shell for trash else or instead well i'll actually put the uh, i'll put this in the same place i put a lot of culture relics which i say definitely trash this thing because it's a piece of garbage and it shouldn't be on your shelf i had to actually dig it it's, it was in a box of dvds that i had since like i was like had a dvd player so I had, to go, I had to go dig it out because i didn't want to pay money for it so i was like uh, yeah. if i dig deep enough i'm sure it's in this box somewhere and lo and behold um but this thing's trash don't 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 spend money on this don't don't do it but i will say I will say this is a cultural artifact that is going to be in the year 2050 is going to be very fascinating to understand where our heads as a culture were. And I think so in the words of the man, Indiana Jones, it belongs in a museum else Pacific Rim. That's a good giant fighting robot movie. We just talked about it a few weeks ago and it's great. It's fantastic. If you're, if you want to watch just a good old faction, uh, good old fashioned blockbuster fun action movie, just go watch Die Hard because I will recommend Die Hard all the time. Um, if you really want to watch Transformers, I had nostalgia says, go watch Beast Wars, even though it's convoluted as all get out and the animation's really wonky. It's still kind of fun. And lastly, if you are going to watch a Michael Bay film, if you're going to watch one Michael Bay film, I have to say, please go watch Pain and Gain. That is his most underrated film by far, and it is him really, I feel like in a, in a way I've never seen in any other Michael Bay film, he is really wrestling with some ideology there and kind of critiquing his own, the way his the way he himself has portrayed uh, bros and weightlifting culture and your, and your America uh, jingoism on the big screen. And Gee, I think yeah, it's yeah. interesting. That's really nice of you to say, Caleb. 
Uh, thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Hey, Dalton, since you're talking anyway, yeah. show up trash. Tell instead. Go trash. Um, no, you don't need to watch this movie. I spent two ninety. No, God, I spent three ninety nine and two and a half hours of my life on a digital Damn. rental of this movie. I could have been playing the Titanfall two beta, uh, which also involves giant robots. I would have much rather been doing that. Um, instead, if you really want to see a, a movie about the military with Shia LaBeouf, you should go watch Fury, which I think is a, a really underrated film and probably one of David Ayer's best. Um, I would also recommend if you want to see a film that's obsessed with Megan Fox, you should go watch Jennifer's Body, which we've talked about on the show Real previously. Good. Those are things that you should definitely watch long before you ever consider sitting down to watch this fucking movie. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart, Ms. Alexander Bohannon. What do you say? Show for trash elsewhere instead. Uh, trash it, because it doesn't need to be anywhere. Um, and elsewhere instead, everyone uh, everyone took mine, so I think everyone else's picks seem to be good. Like, there's, there's not really quite anything... I mean, there's lots of stuff that's like this movie, but not anything so similar to this movie that I could recommend. I mean, if you want to hate yourself, I guess you could watch like 20 minutes of like a Donald Donald Trump RNC speech or something. Maybe watch that last week tonight episode where, uh, oh my God, I just spaced John on his Oliver. name, where John Oliver uh, totally lampoons the RNC. Just watch all of his episodes about Donald Trump. And I think you would get a feel for what this movie has at its core. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Ms. Alexander Bohannon. I am saying hard trash. Fire it in the sun. It is unworthy of your time, attention, or even awareness. I don't even know why you're listening to the show, dear listener. Aww. And uh, Yeah. Because why would we, we want to hear people talk about Transformers? I mean, because that would mean like you watched it, Look and that should have happened. Look at Feelgood. But no, in this, the is, first place. But this you is, my, this is you hurt my feelings. Yeah. Dustin, what about, uh, what about uh, really? the, the one that I was in? Where I was a mechanic with uh, T.J. Miller. Hey, where did you find you know, that? You didn't like that one? Hey, I don't care about hey, that. Hey, what, what did you find out, out in the field? What did you, did you do that? All right, moving right along. Uh, I'm going to say Are you here, a fucking cop? Come back. What I'm going to say. You had different accents, <laughs> didn't you, you little weasel? <laughs> you were dropping your eyes on the weasel. <laughs> All right. You're the big, bad fucking South Shore, weren't you? I You did fucking it. snake. What's your problem? Don't know any Shakespeare? Anyway, all right, we're done. We are so done. What I want to say is this, though. What else you should watch is literally anything else. This taxes our very mission statement that it's always about the conversation, that it makes it worthwhile. Uh, so do not, again, watch this movie. Watch literally anything else. If you want some giant robot sort of fighting fun, what you should do is listen to Skrillex. That's what you should do instead. I agree. And a little bit of dubstep for you. And then while you're at it, I don't know, watch Spring Breakers. Why? Because it's a movie that's got sort of mixed messaging, but it's clear what it's actually doing. It's (laughs) coherent and better by a long run. And very, very fun and very mainstream popular in some ways as well. So there you go. Those are my recommendations. Thank you very much, dear co-host. You've been so much fun. I've enjoyed this conversation with you, despite its content and subject. Now, lastly, we must talk about next week, guys. Next week, we begin a new marathon. We have a Patreon marathon coming up. Mr. Keithan Lane Smith has donated the appropriate amount to choose a marathon. And for the second time this calendar year, we are going to... Head across the ocean. God damn it. Hey, uh, to the island of Japan. Didn't you just say something about anime earlier in this episode? What was yeah, that? Yeah, I said it's for a bunch of fucking sexually deviant perverts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, about that. So we're going to watch anime yet again, but it's going to be non-Miyazaki. I mean, that is one of these stipulations, and we're going to begin. So, and that's and I blame you guys. I was When we did this first goddamn marathon, I was like, we really shouldn't do two Miyazaki movies. We shouldn't do two. We just shouldn't. We're overrepresenting like one specific. And you know what? Keith and caught us in a trap. He said, "No, no, 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 no." Uh, Brigham requested anime. That was just uh, animated films from Japan. I want hardcore anime. Well, um, so next week's film, dear listener, is uh, Paprika, the Spice. Um, very, very um, delicious on chicken and eggs. And uh, I'm not sure it's going to be delicious in I, cinema. I've heard it's very, very, very good. What the? I'm sorry. What? It's called it's called paprika. Yes. Yeah. Like what the, the spice. fuck is this movie about? Um, I believe it's about cooking. Hey, but I'll tell you what, guys. No matter what the movie is, no matter what the content happens to be, it's all about the conversation. That what makes watching the movie so worthwhile. You keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandra Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genrecast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, 
please visit goodtrashmedia.com.